It's the game after work. Welcome into hour two. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G. Big Steve is here with us. Get well soon. Sajay Williams. She's That's out right. under the weather. Big Steve, you going to be back with us tomorrow? I'm not sure yet. I you will... have a concert or anything? Uh, no, I don't. I think I've got something going on Saturday night. Not a concert, but something else going on Saturday night. But I have no idea if I'm going to be in tomorrow or not. Are you going to twitch on Saturday night? My normal schedule is Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. So what do you play? Whatever I feel like. Give, give so. us a couple examples. Okay, well, here's just a few. I'm currently playing through South Park, The Fractured Butt Hole. That one's a great game. <laughs> um, I play a little I'll be bit honest of, with you. I'm, I almost bought that game a couple of times just because it dude, was cheap. Dude, it's so good. And South Park is, is just, it's fun. Bo- both of those games are so good. I also play a bit of Call of Duty Warzone and sure. regular multiplayer Modern Warfare on there. I think tonight I'm going to wind up streaming some Black Ops 2 Zombies. So, How many ooh. followers do you have? Currently, I have like I think like fifty two. Do they give you any money? No, I'm not affiliate yet. Oh, so well, that's the big goal, right? As a Twitch streamer, to make affiliate because then it unlocks a bunch of cool stuff. Now, how do you get there though? So you have to meet like three different metrics. One is it's like um, a U- is it like YouTube? Kind of. Um, so like one of the metrics is you have to like stream on like eight different consecutive days so like within a period of 30 days you have to stream at least eight times for three hours or more total so you're, you're okay i'm sure you're there um that's one of them the other one is your followers have to be above 50 so i've met that one and i've met the other one my last one is average watch time normally i only pull about four or five viewers which is too low oh. so really just stuck on that last one now i've been playing this game called wudoku mm-hmm. on my phone and uh, my girlfriend and I are now in this big competition of who can set the highest score. And if you can get to like a thousand, that's a good score. But I set a new high score a couple of days ago at fifteen hundred, and she smoked me today. As she's now at two thousand. <laughs> Ooh, wow! So now Ooh. we have this. I don't know if it's also friendly competition. Yeah, or there's no. a lot of trash talk, mm-hmm. a lot of name calling. Ooh, a lot of competitive in the Fortner household. Yeah, a lot of, why aren't you paying attention to me? Get off your game, which, by the way, it's coming from both sides. <laughs> like, hey, hey, you got me hooked on this game. I'm yeah. going to play it until I, I beat yeah. you. That's just the way it works sometimes. Not my fault. I told her, I was like, I'm going over to her house later, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be playing this game. <laughs> Don't and be- if you complain, blame yourself. <laughs> you got me hooked on it, Ooh. and now I got to beat you. What's it called? Wodoku. W-O-O-D-O-K-U. Wadoku. Is it like Sudoku? Yeah, but without the numbers. You're just like placing these puzzle pieces and trying to eliminate rows, but also they you, you get three random pieces every round. Whoa. And it's it's tough. So, it's tough. Because it's always pieces that don't match up right. So in other words, it's like Sudoku Tetris. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Except the pieces aren't dropping from the top to right. the bottom. They just you just you get these random pieces, you can put them wherever you want. Right. And you gotta make rows or columns to eliminate them. Hmm. It is surprisingly addictive. Addicted. Like I deleted it off my phone once, so I stopped oh. playing. <laughs> and then she starts trash talking again, like, look what I did. I beat your butt. I was like, oh <laughs> got me back on it. Oh, uh, maybe you could twitch that. You know, and you could get affiliate before Big Steve. Oh, Big Steve would be so jealous. Ooh. Oh, yeah, not really, but all right. Can go you off. imagine what the 
do they know it's questions would be then? Oh, I can't. I was I when I got my first like pay stub EDM. from the money I raked in from Twitch and I showed it to Big Steve. Oh, and it's like fifty bucks. Oh, we'd we'd be getting EDM for all of the music. Oh. We'd be. Getting Adult Swim for all of the uh, TV. And that's actually my band, you know? And then we'd be like, no. So get on, get on that, dude, okay? I watched your Twitch. I thought it was really cool. Well, it was cool. Tell, spread the word then. I will. Wait, wait, wait. The more wait. viewers I get, I, the better. Let me watch you. Okay, so what's the what do I what name do I look up? It is twitch.tv slash DJ Delarobia. That's D J D E L L A R O B as in boy, B as in boy, I A. Hmm. 8 o'clock Central, Tuesday, Thursday, and Sundays. Well, there you have it, uh, K-State Nation. Go follow Big Steve on Twitch and uh, go watch his stuff so he can make some money. Yeah. I, also, I also play like a lot of Portal and Portal 2. Love Portal. If you're into Portal. Well, who isn't into Call of Duty like Warzone? A friend of mine does Jackbox games on Thursday I, nights. I sometimes do that. I literally stream pretty much anything. Yeah. So. Greg, was, Greg was doing three nights a week Jackbox stuff. During the pandemic, which was a riot, was hilarious to get the group of us. I think we got, at the bulk of it, we had 300 people watching. Whoa. But, of course, you're limited to the numbers that you're allowed to have in the games at any time. Hmm. And it turned into a whole shebang of building our own language, and it got weird. It got <laughs> really weird. It's like Just 10 minutes later, you're like, hold on, what are we doing now? Yeah, right, Exactly. <laughs> Jinx became jonks, you know, oh. just different things like that. Oh, um, the problem is, is now I work in mornings, and so I can't stay up tonight and <laughs> watch him stream. <sighs> I'll, try, I'll try to tune in tonight. Okay. What 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 times is it again? Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock. Yep. That's I'll, when I'll be I go live. I'll, cool. so. I'll interrupt my Wudoku for a few <laughs> minutes. I'll, I'll get you. I'll try to get you some cash. Yeah. Any way I can help. All right. Let's get to K State hoops here because yesterday it was four o'clock when uh, Dy arrived. We found out David Gasson becomes the fifth recruit picked up by Jerome Tang for the 2022-23 season. It's the sixth overall with Taj Manning, who was recruited by the Bruce Weber regime. And will stick around and be a part of that 2022 class. Now, David Gasson of Power Ford, 6'9", 205. He's a, he's a big dude. Big. big dude. Transfer from Virginia Tech where he played two years. And he's originally from Delir, the Netherlands. Originally a three-star recruit as he did play prep ball here in the United States. He had eight other offers other than Virginia Tech. So the former Hokie, though. Being recruited in this transfer portal process, Maryland, Georgetown, uh, St. Joseph's, uh, George Washington, UMass, Rhode Island, all on him. Plus, uh, like D.Y. said yesterday, Virginia Tech, they wanted him back. I think that's important. That's big. Did want him back. And I said it yesterday. The two best players on Virginia Tech's team were playing at his position. So he played 13 minutes a game. I mean, if one of those guys weren't there, he's getting a lot more minutes. That that's a that's a different scenario for Virginia Tech. But I watched a lot of film today on David Gasson. I, I felt like I needed to get to know him better. So what exactly is K State getting? First of all, if you just look at him on paper, it's not exciting. That's the way it is. It's not exciting. And to be honest with you, there are a handful of guys 
that transferred from a bigger school. We already know Cam Carter. He's coming from Mississippi State. Jarrell Colbert from LSU. He joins those two gentlemen, David Gasson does, of coming from a Power 5 or Power 6 program and having some low numbers. For instance, Cam Carter, who played a season at Mississippi State. He averaged two points a game and played in 27 games. Drew Colbert barely played whatsoever. Barely played. Played in four games, and he averaged less than a point. And David Gasson, two seasons at Virginia Tech, averaging four points and shooting 49%, also grabbing three rebounds a game. So he does have more experience, but he falls under the same, kind of the same awning, falls under the same breath as the word potential. Mm -hmm. But I do like that he has more experience. And if you look at it, if you watched any film on him, you'll notice he loves to go to the hoop. He is athletic. He loves to be aggressive. And I think he plays more confident when he has a guy on his hip and he's able to create a little bit of contact. He's not afraid to go to the hoop. He will pull up for some mid-range jumpers, but he's more comfortable by trying to score in the paint. But he most likely will get the ball from outside the perimeter and then drive. He is what Ish Masood was trying to be late in the season. A guy that was slashing, trying to help out in any way he could by doing multiple things. Expanding his game. Well, that is the game of David Gasson. Now, with all this potential that Coach Tang now has with this team, with these five guys that he has brought in, the four transfers, and the, uh, and the high school kid, and Dorian Finister from New Orleans. Yes, there is a lot of potential. Now, the way this team stands right now, that's about as far as you can go with where you feel these guys are going to be. It's just potential. you got to hope some guys click. David Gasson doesn't feel like a starter to me. And he, his arsenal is limited. I mean, that, that, that's really what it is. He's got to develop. He's really got to step up and broaden his horizon. Defensively, though, that is an area we just don't know a whole lot about a lot of these guys. For uh, Naquan Tomlin is a pretty decent defender. I think we know that. But other than that, Dorian Finister is really good at getting in transition, making a play defensively, getting in transition, and scoring on the other end. That's my favorite thing about him. But Naquan Tomlin, if you look at the metrics and just if you know anything about Virginia Tech, that was a bad defensive team. Mm. And he is considered a bad defender. Yes, that does worry me a little bit. And you hope the defense of this group can click because we knew last year's team, well, they actually took a big step back defensively. They got better offensively, but they struggled defensively. They had a tough time stopping teams inside the perimeter and making a stop. But fortunately, he does have upside when it comes to when he has the ball in his hand. But all his highlights are a lot of slashing or put-back dunks. He has some highlights out there, but he was very limited on the opportunity to really show off because he was always overshadowed. But he picked K-State, I'm sure, because that was his best opportunity to get on the floor and not have to have very limited minutes because he had two superstars or two really good offensive players 
in front of him. So again, it draws back to we have another guy who has the potential to play well, but on paper, it's not anything K-State fans are going to be excited about. Luckily for Jerome Tang right now, who is trying to build a team from scratch, you hope building this team from scratch has a recipe instead of just throwing things together and trying to make a meal out of it. I'm sure there's a plan. I'm sure there is a recipe involved. And what it feels like it is, is building a really tall team that is athletic. And if that is the case, David Gasson really falls into that category and really gels with that idea. That's what I want to know. Like Virginia Tech, not great on defense. You said that, and that, you know, this guy's not considered a great defender. What have you told him? Here's the deal. What we're going to be is long and athletic, and we're going to squeeze people, and we're going we're gonna to make things uncomfortable. You just have, you have a role, and we want you to play that role. How good, if you, if you squeeze the playbook down and say, here's what you do, Dave, and that's what we're going to do all the time. That's all we need you to do. On the offensive end, let's build on what you have just already naturally and go. I like him. I like him a lot. Squeeze the playbook down defensively means, and it may very well be, they go this way. We talked about it when Tang took this job. Baylor played a lot of zone until the latter part of his tenure there as an assistant. They played an awful lot of zone to make up for their defensive deficiencies that they had on that roster, really going back to when Scott Drew took that job. So will we see this team utilize a zone an awful lot here in the next year until there's a comfort level with playing man-to-man on a regular basis? Yes. Yes. And I think that's what he's going to throw out there. We're going to play zone, and it's going to be the whole court. I mean, everybody's going to be covered. These guys are huge, and I like it. I love it. Let's get comfortable first. And then we start talking man-to-man, locking people down, and just wait. These guys are so athletic. The, the issue that I have with it, and that's where that length better pay off, is that if, if you get caught playing zone too much by a team that can light it up from outside, it becomes problematic. You don't know any teams in the Big 12 that could totally light it up for money. <laughs> None. Nobody. No. Oh, God. No. Nope. Oh. Well, you know what? There was one team that certainly did not light it up from three-point range last season. And I want to talk about them next because I feel like their head coach, Jerome Tang, throughout the summer leading up to the season, is going to be compared to him the more the recruiting goes on. Uh-oh. And we'll get to that when we come back. No Royals baseball tonight. They are off. They'll be back on Friday. We'll have some good old ESPN radio for you. A little Jimbo Hannon. A little coast to coast. Yes. Speaking of getting weird. Yes. I did my time. Never mind. I'm not going to do it. Do it. Do it. But I want out. No excuses, right? 
I used to be able to sing every lyric of Psychosocial by Slipknot, which, by the way, go to 1015krock.com right now and get registered to win some NotFest tickets. That's next week in Bonner Springs at Old Sandstone. Cypress Hill is going to be with Slipknot. Yes. Picking five winners tomorrow, too. Five yeah. winners tomorrow. Five. So, And it's easy to get registered, guys. Just go fill out that uh, form online, that entry form. Click the enter button, and you're mm-hmm. in. You're good to go. Five winners tomorrow. Are you picking the winners, DG? I am not picking the winners. Um, I think it's Big Steve. Big Steve going to do it? Because Sloan's on vacation. He didn't say that, but I'm pretty sure that's probably how it's going to go yeah. down. Um, really, so, it, it's easy. All we need is your social. Social yeah. security, social mother's maiden name, credit yeah. card info, and your your the street you grew up on in the first elementary school, and you are in, baby. Yeah, and hey, if you want like an extra like push to get your name called, go watch Big Steve's Twitch tonight. Ooh. Maybe send him a little message that said, "Hey, I've signed up for the uh, K Rock Slipknot Whoa. ticket giveaway," and he might. Might be a little more incentives to hook you up. We're not plug oiling this thing. Oh, come on, Big Steve. Ipso facto. You know what I'm saying? You help me, I help you. Come on. And that is what a lineup. Slipknot Cypress Hill? Dude, that's gonna be an awesome show. By the way, I think plugging Big Steve's Twitch. Yeah. Isn't that are we kind of breaking the law a little bit? No, because I'm not making any money off it yet. Okay. But once uh, you are, yeah, no we're more. trying to push you in that direction, though. Yeah. All right, let's continue on with college basketball talk. Got done just in the last segment talking about David Gasson. But the, the Big 12 basketball news from earlier today, Iowa State head coach T.J. Otzelberger has received a contract extension. He's getting a half-million-dollar raise. He'll make $2 million now annually. So, yeah, he's a little underpaid. But uh, I'm sure Iowa State lost a little bit of money in that two-win season. they got to try to win it back. And um, that was also during the pandemic year, so it was all Oof. hell. That 2021-22 season, or 2020-21 season. Oof. But the 2021-22 season for Iowa State was much better. They turned a two-win season into a 22-win season. They went 22-13, and 13, made it to the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament. Warrants an extension by one year and a pay raise for T.J. Otzelberger. But I said it before the break. Coach Tang is going to be compared in his first year to a Big 12 coach, and to me, that's going to be T.J. Otzelberger. And it's for a couple of reasons. One I just mentioned, first-year head coach in the Big 12. Mm -hmm. Second is because Otzelberger made this run with a bunch of transfers. Mm -hmm. A bunch of transfers. Now, and also, after Steve Prom leaves Iowa State, Otzelberger takes over. What happens? A ton of guys leave. As a matter of fact, let me let me count them up here. Seven. Seven of the players on that team prior to last year transferred somewhere else. Jalen Coleman-Lance, for example, went to Kansas. Razier Bolton went to Gonzaga. Tyler Harris off to Memphis. Um, I mean, there's others as well. But you get the picture. Mm-hmm. So Otzelberger has to rebuild this team. When it comes to all the players he picked up, only one came from high school, and he had seven transfers. So he brought in eight guys. Well, right now, Coach Tang is technically bringing in six guys to play with two others. So he's got eight right now and trying to fill three more spots in a perfect world. 
there is going to be a comparison, maybe more later than there is right now. But you know, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. But that's the way I predict the future, especially since Iowa State was able to win 20 more games than a previous year with a first-year head coach. Expectations will be, hey, this first year, Coach Tang hopefully can make the NCAA tournament. K-State, as a 14-17 and 17 team, was given so much slack when it came to the bubble. So much slack, and they finished the year losing like their last six. And before losing that last six, they were a bubble team. Yeah, They had a great chance to get there. But how did T.J. Otzelberger do it? Well, as I mentioned in the previous segment, there are going to be some Power 6 transfers coming in for K-State. I mentioned their names earlier who don't look that exciting on paper, and I get that. ton of potential, but hopefully they grow up really fast and become good players for K-State so they can potentially get there for Coach Tang. But Otzelberger was able to bring in a handful of guys that were big playmakers. For instance, Tyrese Hunter, who is actually no longer a Cyclone. He's going to be a Texas Longhorn now. He transferred from Iowa State and is going to another Big 12 school. Oof. That's going to be a shot. That's a Charlie horse yeah. to the Big 12 men's basketball program of <laughs> Iowa State. <laughs> but also, I mean, Isaiah Brockington was the bee's knees for T.J. Otzelberger. Yeah. He was Big 12 first team, Big 12 newcomer of the year. He, he tore it up. But here's the deal. Like, he was really good offensively. But Iowa State didn't have a ton of great offensive guys. They had the two I mentioned, Tyrese Hunter and Isaiah Brockington. But I'll also throw in there uh, Gabe Kalsher, who transferred to Minnesota, from Minnesota to Iowa State. Isaiah Brockington transferred from Penn State to Iowa State. Here's the difference. Those guys already had themselves a good career going. They weren't scoring two or three points a game. They may have started their careers that way, but Brockington, Brockington and I, uh, uh, at Penn State was scoring in the neighborhood of 13 points a game. Kalsher at Minnesota was scoring 11 points a game. Established scores took care of what Iowa State could potentially do scoring the basketball. But Iowa State was not a good offensive team last year. Where they truly jailed as a team, the difference maker between them only being one game better in the Big 12 than K-State, but having a good run in the non-con and pulling off a couple of upsets in the Big 12 play was because they were phenomenal defensively. Metrically, in the metrics, they were top five in the country Wow, playing defense. When they made the Sweet 16, they had arguably one of the best defenses still in the tournament, but offensively, they were second to dead last. They had the second worst offense left in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. The team that was dead last was a Cinderella in St. Peter's. I did not know that. That 15 seed. I did not know that. So right now where it stands on paper, the recruiting that T.J. Otzelberger has done in that first year for him compared to what Jerome Tang has so far, the advantage does go to T.J. Otzelberger. He found, I'll put it this way as well, the guys T.J. Otzelberger found, 
they weren't all playmakers. Uh, half of them, you know, they didn't score a ton of points, but they could be fluky offensively. They could have a nice game or two. Jazz Koontz, for example, went off against K-State in the game again in Ames. But K-State won the game in overtime. They got it done. But he had a, a fluke of a game. Mm-hmm. The, 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 for the season, he averaged five or six points. Iowa State only had two guys scoring in double figures mm-hmm. on a regular basis. And Brockington was the guy that led him almost every game. Mm-hmm. But they gelled defensively. There were multiple... They did. Iowa State did not score more than sixty points, more like more than fifty-seven points in every NCAA tournament game they played. And they played three. They never reached sixty points in any of those games. Mm-mm. But what turned them into a, a pretty solid team when they needed it the most was defense. Was their defense that kept them in games? K State's lack of defense is what kept them out of games or f- made them fail to reach victories because they were giving up too many easy buckets. Mm. And so sometimes. And the way things are forming right now for K-State, I don't know what they're going to have defensively. What we don't know about what this team could be defensively could be the big difference on if this is a NCAA tournament team or a team that falls just short of the tournament is if they can play defense or not. But it's clear that you know Coach Tang does not have that Isaiah Brockington yet. He does not have that Tyrese Hunter. That's where losing Nigel Pack plays a huge factor in this right now. For K-State, there's no one there to pick up that slack just yet, at least that we've been able to determine from the numbers we've seen. That's just the unfortunate side of it right now in terms of where K-State is as a program. You're absolutely right. There's no one like a Brockington that is looming there for K-State. Iowa State defensively really, really put themselves into not just the tournament, but but really even into that mix at the start of the season where they weren't great offensively at any point, let's be perfectly honest, they ground you down all season long. K-State's going to have to figure out a way to be able to do that defensively. There's no doubt. I want to bring up uh, David Gasson uh, once again because I think I forgot to mention this in the last segment, but another great thing he was really good at is getting in transition and making plays blocking the basketball. He's had some really nice blocks that led to baskets at the other end. If those defensive pieces could fall into place and K-State could be much better defensively with this new group of guys and do a better job rebounding, I mean, that could be a huge difference in the success of K-State men's basketball. Mm-hmm. They're going to be longer. I think we, we, we we're figuring that out. It might be like DG mentioned yesterday, Marquise Noel – and four trees. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the four trees are going to clear the way for Marquis so he can make those easier layups instead of having doing the circus job every time. I'm cool with that. And you know, you, you said block shot. What is what is that? Yeah, I can't wait. It was to not a shot blocking team last year. I can't wait to see right. a shot blocked. With the first one that comes, I am going to stand up and applaud. I can't wait. I really do think, and that's one way to get the offense kick started, right? Is a block transition buckets, easy buckets like that, run some people out of the gym. And then on the flip side, if we do have that ability, like Troy said, to just grind people down, slow the game down, grind them down, I'm really just putting my faith completely in this coaching staff that they do have a plan and it's work. I, I, I hate to think, though, that 
that that's going to have to be the way that this team plays because people are wanting to see a team that is much better offensively <laughs> than the stagnant garbage that we've watched the last couple of years. It's bad. It's bad. Bad, bad, bad. If, if we're here we are talking that defense is going to be the way they win games, and immediately I think people are going, oh. uh, wasn't that what <laughs> we basically have been doing the last – X number of years. Oh, but if, if TJ Otzelberger, I mean, taught us anything with that last season with Iowa State and and playing through that Big 12 gauntlet, I, like I mentioned, I, Iowa State was one game better than the Cats mm-hmm. in the Big 12 standings, but they really cleaned house in the non-conference, which, right. I mean, that attests to how great the Big 12 was. And, I mean, Iowa State went into the Barclays Center, I think, and beat a couple of top 25 teams. Yeah. Beat Memphis, beat, I think, Xavier was in there as well. But... I mean, they had to play phenomenal defense to make that happen. That game against, if I'm not, if I'm remembering correctly, against Memphis. I mean, Memphis turned the ball over like 15 times in the first half. That's because Iowa State was really good defensively, but that was a whole bunch of guys that were new to each other, and they had a handful of guys, two or three, that could go score the basketball. I mean, that's really what it feels like. That's what K State's missing right now is just a couple of guys. They can go get in the transfer portal. They can really score the basketball. And I think if that does happen for Coach Tang, we're feeling much more comfortable. Yes. But right now I think some K-State fans are a little bit uncomfortable with just the low numbers they see associated with these transfers. Naquan Tomlin is an exception where he did score double figures, but he's also a Juco Mm. transfer. Mm -hmm. And we know in the past how well Juco transfers have worked out in Manhattan, Kansas. (sighs) Not uh, not so hot. Not so hot. And if they're halfway, even just a tad bit decent, they don't stick around for more than a year. Right. And that's what just stinks, I think, is we're just remembering the worst parts of that. Yeah, year. bad juju for <laughs> Juco transfers in Manhattan. Yeah, yeah. for like ever. <laughs> I just, I really hope this kid breaks it in. Really, if you haven't watched his film, he looks impressive, especially on offense. Like the guy is good and hopefully he breaks that curse. Yeah, right now it's Naquan Tomlin. Take away like Marquise Noel and Ishmael, the new guys. Naquan Tomlin is by far who you feel the best about when it comes to scoring the basketball. Mm-hmm. Another big boy who was not afraid to play a little wing for you. No. All right, when we come back, number one song of the day. Hmm. Take a quick break. That's coming up next. Back to the game, WNBC. <laughs> 1977, I'm Your Boogeyman by Casey and the Sunshine Band. One week at number one. Disco and funk band. 1973 in Hialeah, Florida. I don't know how to say it. Yeah, Hialeah. Mm-hmm. Hialeah. Never heard of it. Apparently you guys have, so thank you. Mm-hmm. Here it comes, Big Steve Turnup. Well, they are credited for creating the funky R&B sound. 
The band name for Casey and the Sunshine Band comes from their lead vocalist, Harry Wayne Casey. And the Sunshine Band, well, Florida is the Sunshine State. That's right. Very simple. Ah, Colorado, the Sunshine State. The office reference right there, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Which, by the way, right here in the office right now, we have the office on the television. Noticed how that has become the norm. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was either this or a blowout softball game between Oklahoma and Northwestern. No thanks. Okay. You guys are watching anyway. It's at my 9 o'clock. I don't really turn over to watch it anyway. Mm-mm. All right, so a dream, a Digital Dream Door ranked Casey and the Sunshine Band fifth best on the bands or artists from the disco era. 15 studio albums, 11 top 40 hits, and this is their fourth of five number ones from their fourth studio album called Part 3. song was written by Sunshine bassist Richard Finch and frontman Harry Wayne Casey. The boogie of the title is the sense of dancing, shaking your booty, and getting down, not with the scary kind of boogeyman. Has nothing to do with anything scary or the boogeyman. As a matter of fact, in an interview, Mr. Casey said, I'm your boogeyman was actually initially called I'll be a son of a gun. Oh, God. Oh, thank God you switched that up. And he's I'll like, I'm your boogeyman gun. just jumped into my brain. So that's what I went with. But also, it also takes the theme of the disc jockey back in the day. Being one that always is always there for you, no matter when. Always there for you, playing your favorite tunes. Yeah. Like if you call in and want to hear a certain song or talk about what's going on in your life, I'm your boogeyman. That disc jockey is going to be there for you. Now, some DJs took offense to that. Yeah. Because boogeyman, back in the 70s, was also interpreted as a racial insult to black men. Ooh, stay away from that. There is one DJ in New York City that completely took Casey and the Sunshine Band off the radio station because of this song. Whoa, what year was this? Uh, In the 70s, so this song went number one in 77. But, for those that didn't know, Casey and the Sunshine Band was actually one of the few integrated bands. Mm-hmm. Both black, both black, and both white. Now, the most famous cover of this song was actually by White Zombie. Real, I'm a boogie man. Because it was a sinister cover, and it was made for the 1996 film The Crow, oh. City of Angels. Oh wow! Never seen it. Big Steve, have you seen that movie? No, I have not. Anybody? Nope. I saw the first Crow, but yeah, never saw the City of Angels. It was actually nominated for a Grammy for Best Metal Performance in 1997. Well, I'll be darned. I'm your boogeyman. I feel like that's the song forgotten about when it comes to Casey and the Sunshine Band. Yeah. Um, Play that funky music, white boy. That's the one. Um, Shake, shake, shake. Is that them? Shake, shake, shake. Shake Shake your booty. Yeah. Wow. I'm your boogeyman is underrated. It's a nice jam. It is a that jam. is like sounds like an easy song put together. <laughs> yeah, they're describing how they came up with it. It's but, like, come on. 
as you hear this song, try to put it also in the context of I'll be a son of a gun, son of a gun. And they're like, nah, that's just not working for me, man. What do you mean? Uh, son of a gun is terrible, terrible lyrics. I actually had somebody on K-Rock threaten Casey from Casey and the Sunshine Band. It's a long story, but a guy called in and said he hated him and wanted to fist fight him. Um, yeah, shout out to K-Rock Nation. This guy was angry. I said, hey, anytime. I'm a little bit lost for words. Yeah. Where did that come from? It was asking K-Rocker, uh, what's your, what was your parents' favorite band? And this guy oh. talked about how his dad drug him to a Casey and the Sunshine Band <laughs> concert. Oh. And he, he missed... Uh, he missed another band that he wanted to see because he had to go to this show. And so now every time he hears Casey in the sunshine, or anytime he sees the guy, Casey, he wants to fist fight him. And I go, anytime that you can threaten Casey from Casey the Sunshine, man, that's good radio, baby. Yeah. Oh. Next was, up, he goes after the cop yeah. from the village people. Oh, no. Man, there, was, there was one time I missed out on a band I wanted to see because Uh-oh. I, the person used to work here wanted to go out to eat to a certain place and it was crazy busy it took so long we missed the band i wanted to see oh i was hot i was so hot i pretended like it wasn't the biggest deal in the world we saw the two headliners still but it was one of the openers i wanted to see who was the opener gojira oh yeah dude they are awesome and you missed gojira yes oh but it was a Slipknot Volbeat concert, and Ooh. who might be listening and might remember that will now know who they are. <laughs> I still love you. <laughs> all right. Uh, a quick break. I mean, the quickest break. Of all time. And then we'll get some DG Ask Us Anything next. Thirteen fifty. it's KMAN, it's the game, and it's... Ask us anything. Uh, today's uh, Ask a K-Rocker on the other side. Uh, what is uh, something that people take too seriously? I watched a guy get kicked out of a, like 10 and under girls softball team a game. For it crying was, out it loud. Was awful. Good was it, was it Clay Travis? <laughs> no, 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 no. Close. <laughs> it was awful. It was embarrassing for everybody. But yeah, youth sports, I think. Man, take a step back and relax a little bit, you know? I, I have no room to talk on this one, and that is golfing. <laughs> it just in the aspect that I get fired up because I suck so bad at it. <laughs> yes, perfect, perfect. Uh, baseball is taken too seriously. With all the stats that are involved, all the ways you can score a, a play. Like, let's chill out a little bit, all Calm right? down, man. I'm just trying to get Troy fired <laughs> up. Uh, but yeah, it is, it is a a weird sport, even though it's America's pastime. Mm-hmm. A lot of things yes. that go into it. I don't want to be that guy that says politics, but clearly that's one. Nobody yeah. knows what they're talking about. Chill out. Yeah. Quit taking other people's opinions or talking points and turn them into your own. <laughs> Quit it. <laughs> Big Steve? I think just sports in general. People Ooh. get way too fired up just in general over sports. What'd you say? You heard me. Oh, my God. Then oh. add the gambling money to it. Oh, no. oh yeah, that too. Here we go. Uh, what's your go-to small talk topic with a stranger? <laughs> <laughs> when you're in the elevator and you're like, 
Sorry, That's the Steve. Thing. It's sports. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not talking to a stranger. Yeah. I'm with Mitch on this one. It, it's it's like the scene in the Blues Brothers where they're on the elevator and it's playing Girl from Impa Mima. And yes. it's just the two of them kind of shifting their weight back and forth. I do the same thing. I don't really talk to it. No, that's the thing. Like, it, it, there's those people that will like just make a random comment to a stranger about it, it could be anything. Mm-hmm. Or there's those people that will walk by somebody, don't look at them, don't acknowledge them, just keep walking by. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a small town versus city type of thing. Sure, sure. That's something I definitely took from my city life. Yeah. Just ignore the strangers, hold the door open for them, whatever. But you don't need to say hey to everybody. No, and then sometimes you my run dad into does that. sometimes you run into somebody that'll tell you their whole life story and you're oh, like, yeah. dude, you get yourself down. caught in a bad situation. I don't know. You know, yesterday I was crossing the street over here. I almost oh, got hit by like three cars. Yeah, or like my sister just uh, just got fired and you're like, oh my god. It's like, thanks. Sorry to hear that, but I didn't <laughs> want to talk to you anyways, man. Ugh. Is there a word or phrase that instantly annoys you if you hear somebody say it? Yes. Hella. Ooh, you don't like hella. Yeah, like, I don't even know how to use it in a sentence. It annoys me. Ooh. But like, Mitch anyway, gets just... hella annoyed with it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I just think that's a dumb word. It, it, is. it That is insult to your, anybody's intelligence. I get into your, into your uh, vocabulary. I get hecka mad when people do hella, hecka. dude. Hecka. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for the show. Thank you, DG, for those questions. Yes. Big Steve, thanks for filling in for Sage. I'm sure we'll see you tomorrow. We're on for Friday, a full two hours for Big Steve, DG, Troy. I'm Mitch. We're out. Go Cats.